Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 88. This is our Open Championship Tip Show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGO Tour Preview at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have Golf Betting System's Open Championship Tips to Paul Williams and podcast pundit Barry O'Hanrahan. Good evening, gentlemen. Evening, guys. Good evening, guys. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. Naturally, we're available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Now, we might actually squeak over 4,000. It's going to be a big week with the Open. So uh, get yourselves along to our Facebook group and come along and join us and, and get us through the 4,000 member barrier. 4,000? 5,000. 5,000. 5,000 barrier. That's right. <laughs> Paul's available at Golf Betting on Twitter. It's Barry's at A Good Talk Golf. I'm at Bamford Golf. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. This podcast is available on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify and a myriad of different pod channels and YouTube. Now, we're asking for a couple of things from you. Please take time to rate and review us on iTunes. That is the podcast currency and drives our listener numbers continually upwards. And as ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of next week's show. Leave your name in the review so we can read them out on the podcast uh, and also if you are in the growing band of YouTube listeners we had 900 listeners to our uh, open championship preview pod on YouTube over the weekend guys very good mm, very good impressive. indeed that is impressive please subscribe and like the show if you are listening to this on YouTube All right enough of the faff let's talk open championship um, I'll say at the top uh if you want details around the course and some details around trends and the likely trends of winners, uh, listen to our previous podcast, our preview podcast, which was number 87. And uh, there is a whole section on there in terms of the course and winners' trends over the last few years. But we don't intend to go over that. We're going we're gonna to talk players and uh, we're going to talk who we're actually backing in this particular podcast. Do you want to take us quickly, Paul, over the leading lights in the market right now and what we're looking at yeah. in terms of prices? Yeah, it, it is, uh, as, we, as we tend to see with these majors, it is a pretty open affair. Um, none of these days when you've got a, a Tiger Woods at kind of three or four to one absolutely dominating it. It's mm. um, it's long gone of those days. And quite rightly so with the, uh, the talent that sits there at the top of world golf at the moment. Um, right now, so we're talking it's 20 to 6 UK time on Monday. Um, Rory McIlroy is the favourite and pretty clear favourite at the moment. Nine to one available about Rory. Uh, Brooks Kepka 10 to 1 generally. There's a little bit of 11 to 1 out there, but generally 10 to 1. Uh, Dustin Johnson 16 to 1. John Rahm 16 to 1 best price. There's a few players who are starting to be pushed out during the course of the day, one of which is Tiger Woods, who's gone from around 16 to 20 to 1. There's no mm. love out there for Tiger mm, no. right now. Um, perhaps it's uh, kind of this uh, rhetoric with his, uh, his back and needing. Warmer conditions, which um, which I, I kind of uh, concur with, I must say. I think uh, you know he's been quite vocal about it himself, hasn't he? And uh, I think uh, he probably needs it to be Floridian type conditions to be. Uh, I bet to be I, playing his best golf. I'll bet he's got like one of those battery powered thermal vests you can wear during the winter. 
<laughs> you know? Yeah. I think... Are they, uh, legal, to, are they legal to wear on the uh, golf course, Ben? Uh, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not... <laughs> Uh, that's a, yeah. That's a, Pump, pumping thirty-five degrees centigrade uh, heat into your back as you're playing golf. But yeah, I think uh, you know, I think punters are picking up on the uh, kind of the potential that Woods um, may uh, may not be at his very best because of the conditions. But we'll see. Uh, Justin Rose twenty-two to one, and then you start to go into some of the players that are a little bit longer. Twenty-eight to one, Francesco Molinari. Twenty-eight to one, Xander Schauffele. At thirty to one, Henrik Henrik Stenson, who's been very heavily backed so far, is one of the few at the top of the market who's been been backed in all the way through that's, today. That's people listening to our preview podcast. Yeah, it is. It's either, either that or it's the way that he played last week. I, I might might say it's the latter, to be fair. But um, he he clearly went through a number of holes. He got through a big chunk of last week. At Renaissance Club without making a bogey and um, he played some played some good stuff, didn't he, Henrik? He did, so, yeah. Uh, Very good stuff. Um, so yeah, and again, punters have picked up on that thirty to one best price right now that you're going to get about Henrik Stenson, thirty to one Tommy Fleetwood as well, and Adam Scott, who we mentioned on the preview podcast as well, um, as having flown in and, uh, and and spending a lot of time on his. Uh, Preparation work for this week, thirty-three to one, but he's been backed in heavily as well, twenty-five to one. I heard twenty-two to one. In fact, he plays. I heard this morning from the course that he's been there four or five days. He's been down the local pub having a few pints of Guinness at night. Has he? Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah, part that's of probably... that's part of your preparation. Absolutely, <laughs> I agree. I think, uh, yeah, it'd be rude not to while you're all, all work and all work and no play is not a good combination. No, no absolutely. Um, I'll just take you through a few others because there are some 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 names, some big names that are kind of beyond what we've talked about already. So Justin Thomas, um, thirty three to one in spots. Ricky Fowler, no love for Ricky at the moment, thirty five to one. Uh, same price for Patrick Cantlay. Jason Day, forty to one. Hideki Matsuyama, forty to one. Jordan Spieth, forty to one. And last week's massive letdown, Matt Kuchar, forty to one. Who hit the uh, hit the the lead on Saturday afternoon, um, and then uh, just trod water, didn't he, for for the rest of the event until he kind of flattered to deceive right at the end of the uh, his back nine on uh, on Sunday, five birdies on the trot, and then just as he was threatening to make it to take a an each way place, decided to throw in another bogey. But that's enough of last week, isn't it? So yeah, forty to one bar after that, and um, you've got the likes of Bryson forty to one. 45 to 1, in fact, you get about Bryce and Matt Wallace 50 to 1. So there's some big names up there that um, are attracting a decent price this week. But overall, it's very, very open to me, I must say. It's very open. I tell you what, I, I think it's noticeable. Let's talk bookmakers and then we can move on to where we're at in terms of picks. What is noticeable at the 2019 Open is, it's, I think, personally, having covered this now for over 10 years, this is the most competitive major championship from a bookmaking perspective. They are absolutely fighting over your business. We are seeing six firms at 10 places each way. And um, so there's, there's, there's two kind of two camps in the market. And what I've done, um, literally 10 minutes ago, before we started recording this at quarter six UK time on Monday, you know, it's, just a, it's just a slice... It's just a view. It's a line in the sand. But I've looked at the top 20 players in the market and who's offering best price. So I've divided it into those bookmakers who are 10 places each way 50 odds 
and just overall who is best price. And it's become clear. Um, if we take the top 10 each way bookmakers, William Hill, our top price or equal top price on 14 of the top 20 in the market. And that is the best by quite a chunk uh, over and above Betfair Sportsbook and Paddy Power. So for listeners out there, and they aren't really a brand what we've mentioned in the past on the basis that their betting proposition wasn't exactly stellar. But you have to say they have certainly stepped up to the mark for the 2019 Open, undoubtedly. Um, if you click through in the description uh, to Paul's betting preview and you haven't got a William Hill account and you fancy a bit of this action, 10 place each way, 50 odds and some fantastic prices, you can access a bet 10 and get £30 in free bets. New customer offer, which is available using promo code C30. Um, via our website golf betting system so that's that's william hill 10 places each way the best operator that we're seeing um if you're looking at best price um there is only one operator really to go with or one bookmaker top 20 uh players bet 365 are eight places each way of 50 odds on the 2019 open and they are best price or equal best price on 16 of the top 20 players in the betting market. So again, if you uh, haven't got a bet three six five and you're open, looking to open a new account, get yourself to Paul's preview, and you can access their new customer offer via the Golf Betting System website. Of course, key terms available. So yes, bet three six five and William Hill look to me to be leading the way for the bookmakers at the 2019 Open. Mm. It's a good move from William Hill, as you said. They're not a bookie that we tend to uh, tend to focus on because their proposition doesn't tend to be as strong. I mean, one thing you'll say about William Hill is that they push their prices out um, very, very early on a Monday now. Mm. So oh, yes, they do. you'll often find, yeah, you'll often find that um, there'll be some outlying prices that you can snap up very early on a. Yeah, tra- on the Monday morning. traditionally it was always bet three six five first up, but yeah, the last two to three months, William Hill was religiously number one, first 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 bookmaker out. Absolutely. So again, if you if you're the kind of punter who does a lot of research the week before or over the weekend of a, an event as it's coming up the following week, and you've got an idea of the kind of price and the kind of players that you want to back, yeah. um, it's well worth looking, well worth checking early bird early on a Monday, yeah, early bird price. Yeah, by, by ten. 10 o'clock usually, that kind of time on a Monday, there's often a market out from William Hill. And if you see what you think is an outline number, then grab uh, it. Yeah. they can grab it. And uh, yeah, they, they often make some massive corrections once they've uh, once they've seen how the market lies. So, uh, so yeah, if it feels out of kilter, it may well be out of kilter. But yeah, in the context of this week, good move for them. And it's got to be applauded 10 each way. And as you said, Steve, some cracking prices to boot. So uh, now- good stuff from them. You worked studiously across the weekend, so well done for that. Um, I was I was swanking away around Wimbledon yesterday, and you were grafting <laughs> in your office, sweating, while I was just drinking cool drinks with the wife, watching some tennis. But anyway, that's the way that's the way the crew. Yeah, you, you, you're just rubbing it in, Steve. I am. Yeah, it's great. I but, thought I um, saw somebody really ugly in the royal box. That explains it now. I don't know how you got in there or past security, but. That was John Rahm, wasn't it, from what I saw? <laughs> but um, 
But well, where was I? You've, you take completely taken the wind down myself. But I know for a fact that you've released your betting preview, Paul, a golf betting system. Mm. So let's. Why don't you highlight your shortest two? Because I know you've gone for six this week. If you highlight your two shortest prices, who you think have got the best chance, and then we can then talk to Barry about his two, and then we can mm. come to us and we'll see what kind of if we've got any players that we're all agreeable on. Yeah, yeah. I, I You kind of go around the houses with this, particularly with a market like this or particularly with an event like this, because you, you can quite justifiably make a case for for Rory McIlroy. I mean, I, I, at the back end of last week, I was really quite tempted to go mm. deep with Rory. Um, you know, his ball striking, we know it could be fantastic. He, he holds the old course record from the, the the old course, having shot sixty one round here as a as sixteen seventeen year old, whatever, whenever he was at the time. Um, clearly, he's going to have a massive local support. Um, but for me, there's just some something just not quite one hundred percent. His ball striking hasn't been quite one hundred percent. His accuracy, his greens and regulations, just hasn't quite been where I'd want it to be. I think to see. To want to really attack and uh, and and back Rory McIlroy and, and you know give give it absolutely everything for this because you could you know if you if you really feel that strongly about a player at the top of the market you could put a lot of your eggs in one basket and uh, and particularly with ten places each way you you could play a play a strong each way card and and, and very little else but um, I, I couldn't quite see it I must say um, Brooks Kepka. <sighs> His recent major performances are, are just incredible, aren't they? One two, one two from his last four. Has he won three of the last? Uh, sorry, four of the last eight or something that he's played. It's absolutely outstanding. Yeah. Um, but again, if you look at his record, the Open Championship is the weakest of his four majors, um, and by distance as well. And again, if you, if you're trying to pick a, a tenuous hole in any of the guys at the top of the market and usually it is going to be a tenuous hole because you're kind of trying to convince yourself against a player rather than rather than for them that's the only real hole that I can pick in, pick in Kepka I mean, for me I've started my team um, with John Rahm and we discussed John Rahm last week in the preview show um, we were asked a question actually who we thought um, was going to be the, the most likely player under 30 to to win a major and John Rahm was one of the ones that we were quite unanimous about the three of us plus a, plus another guy we'll, we'll discuss in a few minutes um, but yeah I think if there's a player who's going to break through and certainly has the a capability and um, ability to, to win a major championship it's John Rahm if you look back and we talked about trends in the last uh, the last podcast um, the form of the winners is pretty outstanding at the Open Championship and just to summarise, Phil Mickelson when he won in Scotland when he won in two thousand and thirteen had won the week before in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, McElroy in twenty fourteen had won in Wen- uh, won at Wentworth uh, in the f- a few weeks beforehand. Zach Johnson had three top six finishes in his previous four events coming into the twenty fifteen Open, which he won. Uh, Stenson had won in Germany a few weeks before um, in twenty sixteen. Spieth had won the Travellers on his last start in 2017 and last year Francesco Molinari went for this stretch where the Open Championship was his third win in six stars he'd won at Wentworth he'd won the Quicken's Loan Quicken Loans 
he'd um, finished runner-up twice in that stretch as well. So these players are all very, very obviously in form. They're white hot. If you look, white hot. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, and if you look down the list, there's there's not that many you'd find you'd say that really correlate with that. I mean, one of them having won again last week, Bernd Wiesberger. You'd look at his form line, and actually you think, well, mm. do you know what? That doesn't look completely out of line no, with no, no. Um, with the kind of winning form that we've got. For me, I mean, his price is halved as you'd expect because punters have jumped all over it. And um, for me, the difference between a John Rahm and a Bernd Wiesberger, they're they're they're, diff- they're at a different level for me. And if someone is more likely to win the Open Championship um, this week, then it's going to be a John Rahm rather than Bernd Wiesberger. Um, third at the US Open at Pebble Beach, second at Valderrama. Now, that second at Valderrama was a, a big breakthrough for me because we've talked ad nauseum about his um, frustration and um, you know his weakest suit being when, when the, t- the going gets tough at these events. And to finish second at Valderrama, which is a proper exacting test, it's a tough test of golf. Um, was particularly strong, I think. He topped top, um, total driving. He was second for ball striking that week and really... You know, really impressed me. I think the way he went round and uh, and handled a tough track, and then he went and won at La Hinch. And we we said last week before we'd really seen what Renaissance Club was going to be like that La Hinch was far more likely to be a um, comparable and compatible uh, warm up for the Open Championship. And having seen the guys sauntering around in twenty two under at Renaissance last week. Um, I think the form that anyone showed at La Hinch the week before the Irish Open is going to be far more tangible for this week than uh, than those who performed last week. So winning his second Irish Open at La Hinch is another big tick in the box. And again, um, identical stats as well. He led the field for total drive and he was second for ball striking. John Rahm is playing some outstanding golf from tee to green. Um, again, you, you, if you're going to pick a hole, and you know, it's, if I've picked holes in Rory and I picked holes in Kepka, then the hole that you pick in John Rahm is that his Open Championship record isn't good. He's finished 59th, 44th missed cut from his three starts. Mm-hmm. Yet he's won two Irish Opens. He won a Spanish Open on a linksy type track. Yep. Um, in fact, his record on the European Tour, not all in Europe, by the way, but on his record in, in on the European Tour, 14 starts, four wins, four more top fives. Mm. Um, he clearly finds feels very comfortable playing um, this side of the this side of the pond, and for me, I think he's got a huge chance. Sixteen to one, not the longest price in the world, but I think you know with the, the each way terms on offer this week, that's a cracking each way bet, and I think he's got a great chance at the top of the market to to win his first major championship, despite what he wore when he went to Wimbledon the other week. <laughs> I, I did tell him not to, but he didn't listen to me. Um, he likes to make a statement, doesn't he? My understanding is, Barry, is that you're on Ram, and I'm on Ram as well. Is I correct. Take, uh, yeah, I haven't taken the plunge on him yet. You haven't? Oh, no. I know. Barry, Barry. I backed him on the it's... exchange. I, I just had to get involved. Yeah, I just... I. The thing that freaked me out was that open championship record. It's it's just kind of weighing on me for that sixteen to one. Um, yeah, I don't know. Look, it's still Monday. There's plenty of time for me to get mm-hmm. a little bit loose with adding more. But I haven't got I haven't got many bets um, out there. 
uh, in terms of like numbers of golfers um, who I've backed. I've gone, I've got uh, three bets on the outright market so far and two I've gone quite heavy on. So um, yeah, the Ram one is a debate. Who's your, do, short, who's your shortest price that you've gone for? I do, I do like Ram um, out of those top guys. Just seems to make the most sense in terms of um, price and, and and incoming form. Um, and I certainly that was something that kind of led me to Molinari last year, albeit quite late mm. in the day and didn't get uh, the best value on him, but still um, had the pick. And like I said... If uh, if he wins, we'd look back at it and saying, "Well, of course he won. He was playing the best coming into it." So, um, and Ram is definitely making a case for himself, playing uh, one of the best in the world uh, coming into this. So, um, until such time as I probably cave and uh, to to you guys bullying me into it. Uh, for now, my shortest price is Henrik Stenson, who I am. Um, Pulled the trigger on last week and managed to have one of the Paddy Power boosters and got him at 40 to 1. So that was nice. So I've, uh, yeah, I took Stenson. Obviously, uh, would love to win on him again. I had him the last time he won in that, uh, probably my favorite Open Championship of all time, which is the battle against Mickelson. Even if I didn't have the bet on him, I think uh, that, uh, that statement stands true. It was just remarkable to watch. And, uh, yeah, he's been just getting better week on week um, for the last uh, couple of months. And the ball striking is absolutely ridiculous. He made one bad hole last week, which was a double bogey. <clears throat> Other than that, it was just birdies and pars. So, um, first in scrambling as well last week. You say what? First in scrambling. <laughs> My God, if he could replicate that next week, then it's a no contest. The rest of them should just go to the pub and drink Guinness. You know, when he was struggling, his putter was ice cold, but all of a sudden, it's just that kind of mid 1.7 mark. I know we're talking old currency here, strokes game putting guys over in the Oh, States, don't, don't go with that one, Steve. The listeners will slaughter us with that. But, on, well, we don't have strokes game data over here, unfortunately. But it, it, the putter seems to be less of a concern, and it's just, you know, pounding fairways with that three word pounding greens and when he's missing greens apart from that double bogey he seems to be getting up and down dangerous very dangerous what do we think as a target score based upon we're now what we want we're four days on from the previous podcast what do we think looking at the weather is likely to be that winning score do we do we think it's low teens do we think it's single digits I think, well, just looking at the latest forecast, and again, this, this is likely to change, and then even if it does change, what we actually achieve, or what we actually see on Thursday through Sunday could be completely different, mm-hmm. as we know, with the, the vagaries of, uh, of Lynx Golf. But generally, we're looking at, I think Thursday is looking at the, the windiest day around about 15 mile an hour winds. Right. Um, and then the Friday through Sunday generally kind of 10 to 12 mile an hour winds although we have seen one forecast that suggests that saturday the wind could get get up and it could be quite gusty but um, yeah that may well be an outlying forecast it, it feels to me and again it's, it's been quite uh, it's been quite wet and there's more rain drizzle yeah, when, showers wednesday in the looks very wet yeah mm. i think you know i, I 
I don't think you can ever describe the unless it's absolutely sopping wet. I don't think you can describe any of these tracks as soft because I don't. Th- you know, they drain so well. They're 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 going to be. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, they're going to quickly dry out. But um, I don't think it's going to be bone dry. So I don't think you're going to find it firm. You know, got, the, the yeah. really tough, firm and fast condition. I think it will be relatively receptive. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, yeah. I think it's probably going to be getting, um, I don't know, 10, 12, something like that under par, probably feels about right to me, mm. that kind of bracket. I don't think it's going to be easy, I don't think it's going to be incredibly difficult, I think it's just going to be somewhere in that kind of Low mid-score bracket. Mm. Uh, yeah, if, 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 it, if the wind doesn't pick up, you know, if you, get, if you do get a, a windy Saturday, then perhaps, it's, uh, perhaps it impacts it, if, if it is... 10 to 15 mile an hour max through the course of the four days, the players are going to be able to score very heavily, well, not very heavily, but they're going to be able to score heavily. They're going to have to tuck the pins away to give the course some kind of protection. Because I don't think 10 or 15 mile an hour across that track is going to give it the protection that it needs. So straight 68 across the, the four days, you don't think would be too far away? Yeah, what's that, 12 under? Yeah, yeah it's going to be in that kind of bracket, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, consistency is key, and uh, and see where that uh, see where that kind of total takes you. I don't think it'll get out of control. I don't think it'll be like Renaissance last week, where you know seeing twenty two under winning is that for me that just wasn't a that just wasn't a warm up that was going to be appropriate for this week. But um, but yeah, equally, I don't think it's going to be a level par job. It's it looks it looks somewhere wedged between the two of those numbers. I think. I have to be boring and repetitive and say that I've backed John Rahm and I have backed Henrik Stenson. They're, they're two that I'm on. Mm. I, yeah, if, if you're talking about players that's uh, you know towards the top of the market, the other one that I can't get away from and I haven't been able to get away from from the last last few major championships is Xander Schauffele. And 28 to 1, again, it's that same Xander price that we've seen Pretty much oh, yeah. major in, major out for the last uh, last four or six pages. But this guy, I mean, we know that Brooks Kepka, he just lifts his game, doesn't he, for the major championships. His focus is entirely on winning those majors. Mm-hmm. And the results are there to be seen. And Xander, I think, is a very similar ilk. He's the kind of player that is focusing his game and honing his game to perform well at the major championships. And for me, it's a matter of time. He's one of those two players that were, you know, again, we were quite unanimous about in terms of who's going to be a you know, very soon future major champion under the age of 30 years of age. And uh, he's, he's, he's very, very close. Four of his last six majors have produced an each-way power, if you follow him each way. Yeah. Um, Second at the Open last year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that, was, 20... that was tricky, wasn't it? Was it ten under? Won it? Eleven under? Something like that? Yeah, uh, yeah. It was. It might be nine in the end. And mm. a um, twentieth at Birkdale on debut, and that was really where, he, courtesy of his final round, where he shot sixty-five. But last year was far more consistent. He was second, as you said. He was co-leading going into the final day, um, and uh, it. it, it, it there were some mistakes there, and um, you know, and clearly Francesco played some fantastic golf on the Sunday to come through. He was three behind going into the final day, and, uh, and one by two in the end. Uh, but um, 
But yeah, he's he's that kind of player. I think one of one of these events, it it the door just opened and it'll just it'll just saunter through it. Uh, two wins this season. He won the WGC HSBC Champions event, which clearly was a high class field. Century Tournament Champions, which again was a decent field. On the coast. Third at Pebble Beach. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. Third at Pebble Beach on his last start. Um, the ball strike has been really, really strong with Xander. Again, if you're going to pick a hole, the only hole I can reasonably pick in his chances is the fact that he hasn't played since Pebble Beach. Um, and, you know, if you go back through the stats and the trends, then historically there's been this trend about players playing the Scottish Open and then going on to perform. And that's kind of been extended out to players who played the week before. I think the way that the schedule's set up this year and the way that the whole schedule's been stripped or been squeezed into a shorter time frame with the major championships, the players have had to make some tough decisions and Xander's made the decision not to play between the US Open and the Open Championship. He was um, scheduled to play the Travellers and then he scratched it. He scratched it before the field came out on Saturday, which would say that he'd got to the point of, well, you know, I want to just actually rest rather. Oh, well, I'll I'll give props here to, to Pat Mayo who came out with this statistic. The last player to not play between the US Open and then go on to win the Open was in 1976. And it was Johnny Miller. And interesting with Miller, he was 10th in the US Open and then went on to win the Open in his next appearance. And of course, with Xander, as you said, he was was he third at the US Open? Third, third at Pebble, yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah, Trends are there to be broken, aren't they? They don't always. Uh, yeah, and the, the, I'm, I'm with you again. I'm, I'm coming across as such a parrot. It's unbelievable. I've backed Xander as well, and I would hate. <laughs> uh, well, you and I and Barry as well. We've been talking about Xander now at majors for so long on these podcasts. I just know what yeah. would happen if I don't back him because of a trend. Yeah, yeah. that's the that's one the, he wins. That's the one he there's, wins. <laughs> there's the kiss of death, Paul. <laughs> He'll miss the cut. Yeah. It's true, yeah. isn't we're, it? We're you know what'll happen. Sinking yeah. or swimming together. I'm I'm going to pass on Xander. Uh, if I'm going to grab somebody down there below Stenson, it'll be Ram for me. Mm. Um, I can, but the case for Xander is so strong. The thing is, he's like a he's a Brooks Kepka. He's like a Brooks Kepka light in that. Mm. He gets his game up for these, but he hasn't won one. So until then, he's still at that twenty-eight to one price point. I'm like, eh. But at least Kep, at least with Kepka, you know, we've seen that he can go off, play his usual, like just show up and get his appearance fee in these regular tour events. But come along, and he actually goes and wins the major, whereas Xander hasn't done it yet. So, um, although that, yeah, that's it's a good case that he's got got his place payout in four of the last six. Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. Almost, don't forget almost. second, second at the Masters. It's not as if he's just squeaking at the bottom of the each way payout tree. No, he's yeah, right in the fire, the firing line. And as Paul's always said, and I completely oh. concur with him, you just see it in his oh. eyes. He, he doesn't back away from these scenarios. He he loves that. He loves the fight of a major. He wants to be in the in the white heat on a Sunday. Oh. That back nine at Augusta. Very impressive. When the pressure was on, never crack. Mm. He played some. Incredible golf, and he made some incredible par saves as well. A lot of good scrambling, a lot of good putting to to maintain that position. You could see the guile, the determination for him to stay in the hunt until the very last minute. Yeah. It was there, and that's the kind of 
mental approach that is going to win a major championship because someone else might falter. If you can stay in that position, carry on doing what you're doing, and the pressure may tell on the uh, on your opponent, and suddenly that door just just wide open for you to to step through. I it might, will happen for Xander. I might wow. cave. I might cave. Hey, listen, I said this. It would happen for Ricky Fowler years ago, but uh, still still <laughs> waiting, you know? Um, I, I won't be backing Ricky for this. He just looks like those swing changes he's working on just mm. haven't quite clicked. Um, you know, the, the front nine last week was um, on, what was it, Thursday? It was quite a shock. He was everywhere. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's not quite right, is he, uh, at the moment, Ricky? And that's been reflected in the market as well. He's, he's one of the, the least loved in the market right now. Um, and, uh, you know, unless there's some revelation that comes out in the next uh, next day or two and um, that gets people piling onto Ricky Fowler, no. I, I, can't see, uh, I can't see there being any love brewing between now and Thursday. He might just leak out a bit further. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah there's a tipping point for everyone, isn't it? You know, at some point, it, the price will be seen to be value, and uh, and, and suddenly that will shift. But um, yeah, I think if you go through the fundamentals, then his game just doesn't appear to be in the kind of shape that's gonna gonna be contending for this title this week. Who are we loving in the um in the kind of more mid juicy range? Yeah, I mean, I've backed one more before I've gone through my um, kind of further down the market. And um, this is another guy that we mentioned on the last podcast or two, um, Jason Day. And he's he's not a player I tend to back a massive amount, I must say. Um, 40 to 1 just felt too long for me for a player that could well be finding that bit of form that He's going to put him back on the uh, on the straight and narrow in terms of his career. I mean, he's, he's been quite vocal about the fact that he's, you know, by his own estimation, he's underachieved. One major from from his career so far probably isn't what he should have. You know, he should he should be in a, a higher hall than that. Um, fourteen wins, so he's won fourteen out of two hundred and what eighty three. I think it was starts five percent there or thereabouts. But if you look at his stats, 74 top 10 finishes. So he's been in contention an incredible amount of times. Converted, what, one in five, one in six, one in seven, whatever the ratio that ends up being. So um, he's enlisted the help, as we as we all know now, he's enlisted the help of Steve Williams to come and work with him as his caddy to uh, to push him back to that uh, to, to the top level, to the to the very peak of the top level, anyway. And having been a previous world number one, he knows what it's what it was, what it's like to be there, and uh, obviously wants to get himself back into that kind of position. I mean, he's only been working with Steve a few weeks, and um, the first week we saw was Pebble Beach. He finished twenty first. He was good for scrambling, which is not unusual for for Jason Day. And that was probably the only highlight of his performance. But it's the two efforts since that really caught my eye. Eighth at the Travellers, he led the field for greens and regulation, 87.5%. Now, that's not Jason Day. Jason Day stats tend to be, he'll hit 65% of greens and regulation. He'll scramble incredibly well. He'll putt incredibly well, and he'll get himself into a contending position. When Jason Day is hitting 87% of greens and regulation, you have to take very um, sharp notice of what's what's occurring. The week after, at the 3M Open, he, he tailed off 66, so the, the finishing position looks awful. 
Again, 83.3. He was sixth in the field for greens in regulation, even that far down the field. Was he potting with his eyes closed? Well, this is the point, isn't it? With Jason Day, we know that his scrambling, his putting can be exceptional. Now, what's to say this week, a 40 to 1, he doesn't go out there and he, he plays as he's been playing with his irons, he's hitting greens for fun, and the putter just sparks. He's up and down. He gets up and down, you know, eighty percent of the time, which he's well capable of doing. And his putter is on fire because if he does, he combines all of those together. He wins this Open Championship, mm. and that's the chance I'm willing to take. I mean, for me, again, the Open Championship isn't his strongest of suits in terms of the um, in terms of the majors. Yet he has come close. He led um, going into the final day in 2015. And when Zach Johnson won at St Andrews, he finished a shot outside the playoff. So clearly he can play um, links golf. He's got some titles by the sea on the PGA Tour. There's you know, there's plenty to, to grab onto if you um, are happy to, to look at those different elements of his career and his CV that, uh, that point you in this direction. But yeah, for me, there's clearly a focus on trying to improve what he's doing. And I think the Steve Williams effect will be very, very positive for him. I think it's officially Drill Sergeant Steve Williams. Yeah. From the sounds of the things he's yeah. got him doing. But that's what he needs. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if he'll have assessed it himself. And if that's what he needs, that's what he needs to, to move himself back to the kind of ethos and you know, whatever he was doing before, whatever he needs to be doing with his game and his lifestyle to get himself into, in, into the shape and into the mindset to go and win more tournaments and win more major championships. Jason Day goes full private pile and uh, takes takes out the the claret jug. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he's a, the the thing I've got bur- like we've all been burned by backing Jason Day and back being the op- yeah. the operative word here. So mm. you know temperature is not going to be it's going to be like sixteen seventeen Celsius, which is that's pretty cold in terms of the compared to the temperatures they usually play in the states. So. There's a, that would bring question marks for me uh, over his uh, I don't know his back or whatever, but you know maybe he's um, yeah dangerous. He might, con- he might you know that that kind of temperature he might contract the flu you know, on 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 Monday Tuesday or or potato blight or you know or you know that I sh- I, sh- I, sh- I <laughs> sorry I shouldn't make an Irish joke but <laughs> that's terrible. Um, the yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to counter that. I'm going for another Australian just to go to my next bet and get off Jason Day lest you convince me to back him. Um, (laughs) So he ticks a few boxes for me. He's had a win this season, um, albeit it was in 2018. He won uh, the CIMB Classic and nearly lost in a playoff in in the CJ Cup around the same time. So was very hot back then. Has three top sixes in his last five Open Championships. Uh, got into a playoff in the one that uh, was Zach Johnson won in twenty fifteen. Yeah. I think St Andrews. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and can and you know loves loves kind of slightly gnarly conditions when the wind is blowing. There's a bit of rain. It just seems to be a good gritty battler, and I think I think if I'm you know just was thinking about this earlier, going back to like the Masters podcast and we were talking about him and. Everybody seems, there seems to be a lot of like love for him when it comes around to Masters time. But that was, you know, we looked a bit deeper into that. That was all built on one good performance he had at Augusta. Mm. 
Um, so it's, it was easy enough to write him off as a bet for there, but it's not as easy to write him off as a bet for uh, for the Open Championship. And, you know, Mark Leishman just really um, kind of stuck out to me. I was able to kind of get a boosted uh, odds on him at 66 to 1, uh, 10 places with uh, Paddy Power. And, um, well, I've gone for the same kind of combo I did on Woodland, um, you know, did an each way bet, but also put a nice little amount on on the exchange and just see, can I max out that win? So I got him at 100 on the exchange. And, uh, you know, he'd fifth, you know, even recent form is pretty good. He'd fifth at Muirfield Village. He was 35th at the US Open, 21st a week after that. He's taken himself a nice little break. And, uh, you know, I was happy enough to pick him up for all the above reasons. Yeah, as uh, I know Steve and myself have both backed him and tipped him at various major championships over the years and he does have that kind of um kind of major mentality, major feel about him as a as a person. I think I think that there's a fair chance that he does grab one at some point during his career and I I, I can't I can't dispute your logic there. Barry, I think uh, uh, you know at that kind of price. There are um, there are a few players that uh, that don't do make more appeal than uh, than Mark Leishman. I think a couple of quid on Leishman on the exchange is a very savvy move. In fact, I might do it just now. Um, the the, bet, av- the average the average age of the winner of the Open since twenty eleven is thirty six, and Mark Leishman is thirty five. Mm. He's the He's kind the... that will win an unfashionably, I don't know, and he'll win a major, and if it does get gnarly and nasty on Saturday and rainy, and he's the kind of bloke that will just hang around. Mm. He's far, he's far too good to not be in the heat of a major battle. I think at some stage, and potentially come out the winner. Yeah, I think think that's that's an intelligent um, punt, that is. He's the Gary Woodland of this month. That's all I have to go on. Um, Mm. Living on my past victories. So I got to try try pull one more out, you know, just to make 2019 an epic year and possibly retire from punting. (laughs) So, yeah, we'll see. Look, there's been many times in the past I've had money on him, and he's just gone and tanked. So you know, there all 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 of these, uh, all of our punts, yeah. and he'll be coming into this with 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 very um, few expectations. I'd have thought he played okay at the Travellers. So I tipped him up. He was all right. wasn't too bad. So I think he started quite well. I think he started very well at the in the first round, and then fell away. He's an also. I'm I'm researching some first round leader bets, and Leishman interests me in that market. Because he started very well at the Travellers, and there is a trend where people that start well at the Open in quite a few seconds. Kevin Kisner was so left field last year, unbelievable. But they have had a first round leader in their last outing, top three win, even top five, and Leishman fits that category perfectly. So yeah. you often do find little spates of um, fast starts for players if you're mm. looking at that market. It's it's one of those markets that can. Kisner was kind of so left field last year. It was unbelievable. You would never have picked him. He was 55th at Greenbrier. Missed cut, missed cut. And that goes completely against what anything from 2012 onwards. You know, Scott, mm-hmm. Zach, Rory. First round leader, I'm talking. He just blew that away totally. But if we go back mm-hmm. to trend, Leishman is the kind of player 
that will just pop out first round leader or get close to the top of the leaderboard. I, I do like that. Oh, I might go all in on them and add the first round leader bet. Just while we're on that, as they're just little side bets, not the main ones, I did um, put on one first round leader bet today. And it was only just because of uh, his disappointment on Sunday last week. But Eric Van Royen seems to have that kind of bounce back ability about him. He'll be gutted with how he played last Sunday. And, uh, you know, that's my kind of logic for him. Just bouncing back and just going all in, bang, shoots a low number. It's, been, it's a few times he's been really disappointing on a Sunday. Mm. Um, I mean, I backed him the week before, and uh, of course, as soon as you as soon as you don't back him the week after, he's suddenly flying up the leaderboard. And um, again, he was in in great position to uh, to to really contend yesterday Sunday, and and then quadruple bogey, wasn't it? Early on in his round, second, third hole, which you know just just knocked him straight off the uh, straight off the scent. And when birdies are being made for fun like they were last week at Renaissance, you can't do that. But yeah, I, the flip side of it is he, does, he, he is starting fast enough to get himself into those kind of positions. So, you know, I can see logic there, Barry. I think I'll jump in at this point because we're at the kind of price, price point where this guy jumps out of me. And he's... He's going to probably, with Leishman... I think you've sold me Leishman, Barry. So I'm sorry. I'm I'm going to have to spare a couple of pound. I think for Lee. We're, we're in serious trouble here. Yeah. This this is either going to be the biggest celebration ever or, or the biggest nightmare ever. But there you go. Yeah. There's if we're talking great form, and if we're talking um, a a open championship top ten is essential. I think there are far worse bets out there than Eddie Pepper, and I mentioned this last week. I'm not overly concerned about last week. A a pitch and putt at whatever 20 under or whatever it was isn't his style. But 43rd last week, just tightened up his driving, which I like the look of. Um, He's been hitting greens of late, and he's putting fantastically well. So fourth at the Irish Open, second at the British Masters, again, that they played at Hillside on a Lynx track. Um, and then you go back to last year. He won, didn't he, at Walton Heath again? That was a dark, cold, windy. We were there on the Thursday. There were tables flying around and everything on that on that mm. Thursday <laughs> at Walton Heath. You can throw wind at him. You can throw uh, you can throw a bit of weather at him, and he just seems to be a real links expert, doesn't he? Second at the Scottish Open last year. Sixth at the British Open when he uh, played half cut in the final round. I could see Pepperell, who also qualifies on this world golf ranking rule, top 40s, 35th in the world at the moment. If you're looking for a real links specialist and you know an unlikely English winner, bearing in mind we've just won the World Cup cricket and we've got that that glow over here of being you know world champion, I could see Pepperell just uh, going very well this week. And I think up to 80 to one available out there on Pepperell is a good bet. 66 is 10 places each way is more than available. He's, he's stepped up again. He's going, isn't he? You know, yeah, third at the play, as you, you mentioned last week as well, because you mentioned yeah. him. You know, He can now mix it at the top table in, in, in top world level or major events, in my opinion. Yeah, Qatar Masters winner as well. And with, with Qatar, that often went, well, you often find very links positive players uh, appearing on the league. Yeah, that's when he won his first title, wasn't it? Qatar? 
Uh, yeah, it was, whether it was his first or second, but yes, he, he won there relatively recently. Mm. But yes, he's. Um, I don't. Again, you, 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 at that price, you could take a chance on him and, and quite happily sit there and and see how see how he performs. Clearly, he had a layoff before he came back at the Hinch and, and finished well there, um, due to his back and perhaps he just. He's down last week. Took his, took his foot off the throttle, so that he's going to be in, yeah. in decent shape for yeah. for the Open Championship. I'm in, Steve. You're in, me. are you? I've got yeah. That's it. We're we're we're. This is it. We're all rowing together in the same direction here. I've 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 turned my back on Matt Kuchar, so I'm not, I haven't backed Kuchar, and um, let's hope that doesn't come back to to bite us. But I think in that range. You you on Leishman, I'm now on Leishman, and I think Petrol is worse bet. I know Paul's got another one that he fancies at this kind of eighty to ninety to one range. Yeah, the the one I backed in that bracket is Webb Simpson, mm. who's um, we, we know Webb's got the major pedigree, hasn't he? He won the twenty twelve US Open. Yeah. His last ten majors, he's missed and he's made the cut every single time. Fifth at Augusta this year. Yeah. Last year, one at Sawgrass, you know, his, his ball striking's been particularly strong um, over the last couple of years. He's been solidly in that kind of twentieth in the world um, OWGR ranking for for that period of time. He's he's just hovered around that level, and that's been fed by some very consistent and good finishes. He hasn't won against in Sawgrass, but he's put himself in in the mix in some some decent events. And the thing with Simpson is that he's putting, which was always going to be a, tri- a, a challenge after the uh, the change to the to the rules with his with his belly putter. Um, he's adapted to that, and he's now turned his putting into a strength. I mean, eighteenth for the season for total putting, twenty second for strokes gained putting for the season. Um, it's very very strong, and you know what what could have been and what was for a period of time one of his. His downfalls, he's turned into a strength yeah, in his game. And very true. You couple couple that with his ball striking striking ability, and again, when it all clicks on a, on a given week, it can it can be pretty pretty explosive. I mean, that that Sawgrass win, he, he from pillar to post. Oh, mate, he, he almost lapped. Back, he almost he? lapped the field, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was outstanding. Mm. And on his last start, U.S. Open, he led the field for total parts. Uh, finished sixteenth overall. He was good for putts per greens regulation. Look at the old numbers as well. Before that, in Canada, his long game had been good. He was really good from tee to green. His scrambling was spot on. Again, as always, you know, if you try and tie these things together, you can see that all that, all facets of his game have been performing over the last few weeks. He ties it together in one week. He contends for another major championship. So, so yeah, I couldn't resist Webb at ninety to one. I think that was a fair price. Twelfth last year in his last open, mm. that was his best finish. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's lots to like with him. There's lots to like. Should we go bomb hunting? Except his golf swing, I can't stand his golf swing. Well, you, you can't stand Kuchar or Simpson, can you? Sir? Well, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. The- I, I'm. I think it makes me an interest, more interesting person that I have golfers I dislike. No, that's fine. <laughs> I've got plenty of I've got plenty of golfers I dislike. Most uh, weeks, there's a few more fair. on the yeah on the shit yeah. list. Oh god, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he's firmly on mine. So you can have him should to go, yourself, Paul. Should, should we go bomb hunting? Because we just know that someone's going to be at a triple digit big price that gets right involved this week. Who's it going to be? Yeah, who's it going to be? It does. It's it's regular, isn't it? The open can can be that major where you do see a lot of 
200 to 300 to 1 players getting into the into the paying each way places. When you looked into it, Paul, was there anything that kind of linked some of these triple-digit numbers together? Was there anything that they'd done in the past, or or was it literally they would? It was yeah, just random, totally random. No, it wasn't totally random. I think if you if you look through and try to correlate what the players who were in that kind of price bracket had done, mm-hmm. uh, particularly over the recent like major championships, if you went back. Um, so 18 months, two years. So the previous six or eight major championships, right. a lot of them, a big chunk of the players who had placed in that kind of bracket had produced around about a top 20, top 15 major finish. Okay. I mean, some of them had produced far better than that, but um, yeah, the, the, you know, I'm talking kind of 80% or so had shown some kind of aptitude at a major championship. Right. They'd also shown an aptitude at some um, stronger events just sporadically over the last couple of years. I mean, you, 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 if you're picking a player at that kind of price, then there's always going to be something, just by eyeballing either his current form or his event form or something that says, well, I can't, I can't back him. And you know, the reason that you're getting the price on him is because there's something fairly obvious there. Yep. But if you can read between the lines, if you can find a player who's been flashing those little bits of form here and there, in recent weeks, and you know, a, an odd good round here or there, or some consistent ball striking, or an improvement with the the putter, and that's you know, if that's against their normal gameplay, something that you can latch onto. Couple that with um, some decent finishes at major championships in the recent-ish past, and uh, take a chance on them. Okay, I mean, from, that that was kind of my logic, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, I ended I ended up with two that I've backed at. Um, Two hundred to one and three hundred to one, respectively. Uh, the first of which is Lucas Glover, and um, two thousand and nine U.S. Open champion. Now he only won once since then, but um, he's certainly so, certainly shown some improvement over the last six nine months or so. Seventh at Pebble, fourth at Honda, tenth at the Arnold Palmer, third at the Three M Open the week before last, and then tenth last week at the John Deere Classic. So he's got immediate incoming form of two consecutive top tens. 16th at the US PGA, back at Beth Page Black, where he'd won the US Open back in 2009. That was his best major finish, 16th, for eight years on tour. So clearly he felt comfortable going back to the scene of his biggest victory. But uh, uh, that'll give him a bit of confidence coming into this week. Now we know with Glover, putting is... The, the real bugbear and we're, I've backed him a number of times and you you kind of have to close your eyes sometimes when you, you see him on the coverage as he's about to miss a three footer or a two footer for par or birdie and, but what we've seen particularly this season is a real step change in his performance with the putter now, I'll, I'll give you strokes gained putting numbers for the last three years 2016 he was 132nd on the tour 2017, 113th. 2018, last year, 154th for strokes game putting. At the moment, he's 46th. So that is a seismic change in terms of his performance. Coupled up with the fact that he's an excellent ball striker, and he is an excellent ball striker, if he puts it together, again, you know, I say the same thing as some of my other teams, if he puts it together this week, he can contend at a particularly long price. 200 to 1 with 10 places I've got on him. Mm. 
a little bit of form out there in terms of Open Championship. He was 12th at Sandwich in 2011, where uh, Darren Clark won. Yeah, and he co- he co-led. Yeah, he co-led at the halfway point. We so. were there. We were wondering what the hell was going on at the top of the leaderboard. We'd had about eight pints of that, and we're going, Lucas Glover? <laughs> He's made some putts. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, I think there's, there's a level of confidence that hasn't been there in recent years and that has started to creep into his game, and that can only be positive for a player like Lucas Glover, who only needs that putter to be warm and uh, it, or lukewarm and it's going to contend in lots of events. And Yeah, I, I think he could sneak into a top 10 this week. Um, I, do you want to go through? The, I can do the last yeah, one. Or do you, you want, go for do it. you guys want to dive He's certainly first? a bomb. Cool. I know what your last one is. Yeah, the last one is uh, Jazz, uh, Jay Watson and Lond. Um, if Easy for you correctly. to say, mate. <laughs> I've, I've, I've mullered that on the you. golf betting show today when I was recording that. That's the only reason you put him in. I, I haven't I haven't listened back to your uh, YouTube no. today. You probably a, it's a, called it's, it's a total Muller job, mate. <laughs> no, you probably called him Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince or something like that, Jazzy Steve. Like. I think I just called him Jazz. Jazz, yeah, Jazzy South Far Asian. I've made an attempt at it anyway. Buzaden Buzaden Who's the one I'm trying to get. Buzaden Yeah, I'm getting there. Buzaden Who. Go on. Um, I need a speculative punt, but this um, this, this tie is uh, is going to be a sen- he is essentially a sensational player. He's going to be a, a very strong player in the future. Two wins this season so far, and um, eight more top fives. I mean, mostly at a lower grade, and you know you could argue that you know they've been on the Asian tour, the all Thailand tour, or the Japan tour, but uh, some of them have been you know eye catching. Singapore Open, he beat the likes of Paul Casey, Matt Fitzpatrick, Sergio Garcia. They all finished behind him at Singapore earlier this season. Uh, third at the May Bank on the European tour was his best European tour finish um, of his career to date. So again, there's another tick in the box for. You know, improving form at a higher level. And 14th at the USPGA, though. Second major championship that he played. And he was in the penultimate group going into Sunday. You know, massive pressure on a, on a player that's not been in that position at a major championship before. And uh, to be fair, all of the players in those final two groups, they all struggled. I mean, Harold Varner ended up shooting 81, I think it was, from the final group alongside uh, Kepka. 77, he shot, he ended up, uh, going down to 14th spot overall, but good experience. Um, top seven ball striking in three of his last four starts. 26th on his last start at the Japan PGA Championship. But within that, and again, we were just talking a second ago about you know those small pockets of form, those small um, indications that a player's playing well. He shot 63 on the Saturday. That was the best round of the entire tournament at the Japan PGA Championship. And... Um, for me, three hundred to one winning probably is a bit of a stretch to say that uh, Jazz is going to win the the Open Championship. But if we can get an each way place out of him, I've gone top eight for three hundred to one. And um, if we can get a top eight performance out of him this week, then that's you know that's that's as good as a win from one of the players at the top end top end of the market. So I'll take that every day of the week if that's the only result I get from this particular week. But yeah, they're, they're my six against the field this week. Any bombs, Barry, for you? I've won, but it's like not legit anymore because you can't get the price. Um, backed him last week uh, as we were recording. Um, was down to, I can't remember. One of the listeners was mentioning Viesberger. I think it was through the Facebook post. 
mm. um, into about you know players they thought for the opening. You know, he was. Uh, it just made sense. So I, I, I managed to get him at 125s when we were recording on Friday, and he's now half that price. So it's a price play. He's going to need to do a Phil Mickelson and go uh, back to back if he's going to win the Open Championship. But you know, he's playing so well. I could definitely see uh, him pop in and grab a top 10. Um, Didn't Rafa Cabrillo Bayo a few years ago win the Scottish and then he, he came fourth or sixth the week after at the Open? I'm sure he yeah, did. I, there's yeah, a few, there, there, it, it does happen. happen. There's, uh, if you go back, uh, Till Hatton had uh, done, I think he'd finished second mm. and then he performed well at the Open Championship. Because um, we always say, never, be, never back the guy who wins the tournament for the Masters because they do absolutely nothing. But it isn't the case with this, is it? You know, going back to Mickelson in 2013. Yeah, I'm not. They, I'm not saying they win it, but they they can certainly contend two weeks yeah. on the bout. It's yeah, such yeah. a special. But even test, Francesco, yeah. la- Francesco last year as well. Um, so, mm. yeah, look, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, uh, I'm in, I'm in on it now. Uh, he's now half the price. So, you know, how can you compl- how can you complain about him uh, winning the tournament yesterday? Sorry, being handed the tournament by Benjamin Heber and his uh, his jelly snake putter. Um, I felt so bad from watching him miss yeah, those putts. Painful to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Pressure it, for you, no, Barrett. It was like watching Siwoo Kim putt in uh, Hilton Head. You know, when you're on him at two hundred to one. Mm. Um, so <laughs> it was. You'd never expect a French golfer to crack crack under pressure, would you? Around <laughs> the time of Steve, they're, come on they're, now. <laughs> they're terrible for it. We'll, we'll go back to Levy at the old BMW a few years ago. Jeez. <laughs> You're dragging up some memories, Levy and uh, mm. Siwoo Kim, that I didn't want to uh, be thinking about. Yeah, yeah, just, just hold back from going full Jean Van de Velde, Steve, would you? It's not fair. <laughs> I mean, do you remember Victor Dubuisson at the World Match Play just absolutely <laughs> pulling out shots from all over the place? He didn't crumble, mm. so yeah, it's not just... Okay, let's let's move forward before you start a little Franco-Anglo war. Um <laughs> So one I have uh, just missed out on getting two fifties, ten places. I just missed out on getting with Boyle Sports. Um, he dropped to two hundred there, but I'm going after the ten places. Is uh, beef? So had a cracking final round last week, and you know there's been a lot of um, a lot in the news about him with his, uh, you know, him coming out to talk about his suffering from depression and. You know, the support that he's got out of that, he's going to be feeling on cloud nine and probably unbelievably relieved that he's actually kind of brought this to brought this out in public. It'll be a big weight off his shoulders. And it kind of reminds me back to uh, the year that Stenson won in Troon. Beef was actually kind of the... I'm not going to say that he was the alternate story that was going on because there was no other story than Stenson and Mickelson just uh, throwing haymakers at each other for the last 36 holes. And I remember the crowd taking beef, uh, taking the beef and just cheering his name and him absolutely loving it. And I can just see that same sort of thing happening, happening this week. He's going to go in there buzzing, playing obviously very good golf and, if he can slip in to get a top 10 from 200 to 1, yeah, that's as good, almost as good as getting the winner. Paul, Paul has always said with Beef, that, um, and we can see that because he's win at Valderrama, the, the higher the scoring, the better it is for him. So for him to do what he did last week at that absolute birdie fest was 
was mm. eye catching, wasn't it? There's yeah. there's two in the odds at that very. In fact, they're 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 separated by one player. The the two I was going to mention was Andrew Beef Johnson and Andrew Putnam, who I think again he kind of ticks what Paul was saying. Someone that's done something at a world golf level, and Putnam was fourth at the HSBC. He he finished fourth last week at the Scottish Open. So him and Johnston available up, up to two hundred and fifty to one. Yeah, you can even get a, you can get two fifties now on um, Putnam as well. I think they're two mm-hmm. decent shouts. Yeah, I mean, Johnston was eighth in that open you mentioned, Barry. He was, yeah, yeah. So that that's look. I just I went for the I could have got a little bit longer on the odds, but I decided I'm going with the max places and sacrificing that tiny bit up on the on the top side price. No, I don't blame uh, you. Just to just to grab the extra couple of places is beneficial. Um, I I well, yeah. Anyway, we'll find out if it is beneficial or not. So. Well, no, I, I, I can see your logic, and you know that the interview with, with Beef after after yesterday was, you know, it was massively emotional for him, as you can see. But perhaps, as you say, it's like a, a weight off his shoulders that um, that will free him up to play some some really competitive golf, and it's yeah, so popular. And you know, you, you can't you can't but like the guy. He's uh, he's, he's just one of those characters that um, deserves to be supported in you know everything he does. I think so. Oh yeah, wish him well, and I can I can see a logic, Barry. I really can. I think that's us then, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we've, before we've, before we've exhausted, we covered covered about two thirds of the field, so uh, we should be about there. Sure, sure. Yeah, before I go backing anymore while we're talking about them, you know, it's, 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 doing these podcasts is dangerous unless I'm backing winners. We're always asked this. So I'll, I'll ask you guys one last question, and then we'll we'll say goodbye to the listeners. Who would you hate to win? On Webb the basis- Simpson. Pardon? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was asking it more on the basis that you came close to backing them. But yeah, okay, if it's Webb Simpson, it's Webb Simpson. <laughs> it is. You'd, you'd say that every tournament <laughs> that he plays, Barry. I know, I know you will. In fact, Barry must sit there cringing. He hates the guy, doesn't he? He'd, he'd never want to yes. meet him. He's probably a lovely <laughs> dude. I just I don't know. you got to hate somebody, right? Um... <laughs> I always blame him for Podrick not winning the uh, U.S. Open in Olympic Hills, even though it was completely uh, Podrick's fault. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, Simpson gets it. Who did I come really close on? Um, very close on Patrick Cantley. Um, mm. He had, you know had a twelfth last year. Obviously, has kind of gone up a level this year. Winning at Memorial was extremely impressive. Um, all parts of the game seem to be firing. I just I don't I don't know whether he has enough links experience under his belt to take on a really proper links test like Port Rush. Um so that's I had to poke a hole in it somewhere and I just didn't have enough links experience there for me to back him. Mm. So that's where I got really close on. Um yeah. The and I was thinking about maybe a slightly long uh a bet on Thorbjorn Olsson. But his odds seem to have tumbled in. He's just been proven extremely popular. So he's in it like a hundred to one now. So I don't know. What about you guys? Yeah, I, the the dilemma for me, as I said at the top of the show, was whether to back Rory or not. And um, we barely mentioned Rory. No, and he could just wallow. I, I've got, I've got to say, I've got, I, I have put a saver on Rory just in case. 
That, yeah, it, it won't it won't win me much money, but at least it covers the week. It would, yeah. I, 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 having decided not to back him, it would be rather disappointing to see him go and win now. But um, I, I still have this fear that he will go and uh, you know, perform um, in, in his homeland and uh, kind of convert that dream. But uh, we shall see. The, the one at a longer price that was the last off my list was Branch Snedeker. And um, I just couldn't quite pull the trigger with Schnedeko, particularly having back six already. I think for me that's 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 more than enough for for a week. But um, I think Schnedeko could could go well. He's, he's been showing um, elements of his game have been uh, been in decent form recently. So it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me to see him uh, see him put a decent shift in. But Paul, hang on a second. If there, if you're backing with bookies that have eight places to fill, then you can you could add two more golfers and get all eight of your guys in the top eight. Is that's how it works, right? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll stick with six, mate. I feel like, yes. Sneds be a hard one for me to back. The one I'm persuading myself not to back is Kuchar. I've got to try and resist that. That's like backing backing Paul Casey, isn't it? I think the one that the other one that could. I mean, he, he does break the top 10 trend, but one that is playing hot golf is Bryson. Um, he just clearly hasn't got that open championship top 10 or results that you'd be looking for. In fact, he, I don't think he's top 10 at a major, but it's coming. Um, and he is one of the hottest golfers on the planet right now. So mm. having finished second on him two weeks ago, and you're seeing him at 40s, but I don't know. Uh, mm. I can't see him getting the head around uh, Lynx golf course yet. I think mm. what you do, Steve, is put that note on him for Augusta next year, like you were mentioning. Oh yeah, yeah, the podcast, yeah. Or or he wins, uh, he wins at South win the win after the uh, week after in the WGC. Mm, yeah. Mm. yeah, potentially. Yeah, I can. can see we just him. Met- He's coming in hot, isn't he, Deshambo? He's going to win something very soon. Yeah, that was it. Was kind of funny seeing his face when uh, he. <laughs> oh God! Yeah. yeah. Was it Martin? <laughs> that eagle putt dropped last. Like, was that, was going, last. Is that for eagle? He yeah. could not believe it. He thought he Bang. had that tournament won in a playoff, mate. Yeah, yeah and going into the playoff, he'd have been the hot favourite yeah, to win yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that was damaging for me anyway. But yes, okay. Well, I appreciate your time, chaps. It's uh, it's been a pleasure as always. Yeah, best of luck, guys. Hopefully, we can uh, get one of these players over the line, or one that we've multiply backed between us. Best of luck. Yeah, to you. yeah. That hopefully we we'll all win together. And uh, listen, best of luck to all the listeners and yeah, have, absolutely uh, get those alarm clocks set early for Thursday morning. Mm, yeah, it's going to be a cracker. Best of luck to all the listeners, as Barry said. And I'll just throw in: if you if you listeners are on Twitter and you've got some questions for us, you've got our Twitter handles at the front end. I'll just repeat them. I'm at Bamford Golf. Paul is at golf betting. Barry's at a good talk golf. Throw us some questions. If you've got any questions that you want to ask us, just throw us some questions on Twitter and we'll get back to you. Right. Thank you, chaps. Enjoyed the time. And we will be back again next week for the Golf Betting System podcast. Goodbye.